Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! I pulled my fingers free, and he wasted no time lining up my cock to his hole and bearing down on me before I even had time to catch my breath. My thighs shook on contact as my shaft breached him, and watching his expression transform from awe to sheer pleasure was the exact reason I wanted him facing me. He was so tight, his whole hot and velvety smooth, and in direct contrast with the last time I had fucked him in that storage room, I wanted to revel in every sensation and take my time with him. Neil? Yes. Neil? That's so sexy. Uh, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. I hate. I hate the wor- the use of the word breach during <laughs> sex. <laughs> also, that last sentence is too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but shall we do our podcast? I suppose we should, shouldn't we? We're here. Well, might as well. All right. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Marry, Kill with the characters. We sure do. And all the spoilers. Every single spoiler. So many of them. Yes. If you you don't want spoilers, don't listen to us yet. Uh, Go read the book and then come back. Yeah, that way you can have opinions as well. You can argue with us. We won't hear you because you are in your car or doing laundry. And that's fine. That's how we prefer to have arguments. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't care about spoilers, then keep listening. Cause Absolutely. We got things to say. Yes. But Neil? Yes. So what did we read for this time? Well, this time we, re- we read... Breaking the Bachelor, Smart Cupid Book One by Maggie Kelly, and Pretty Perfect, Boys in Makeup Book One by Riley Hart and Christina Lee. And what was the theme? The theme was bartenders. Yay, bartenders! Spoiler, spoiler, only one of them was actually a bartender. <laughs> Yes, um, but this is a nice reminder as the world is opening up and as everybody's getting their vaccinations and you are headed out to the bar, tip that bartender. Tip that bartender yes. well. That person has missed you, but not all that much. <laughs> <laughs> they need your money, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slide the dollar dollar bills right over the counter. No, know your order. When you get up there, order your order quick and then tip them high. And then use that first drink. That first drink as the, hmm, what, what fancy drink do I want? You want to think about what kind of neat drink you want? Good for you. Order your gin and tonic first and then think about what fancy drink you want mm-hmm. after that. Take your time then. Also, if you do then sit at the bar and want to talk to the bartender about things that they can do for you, that's fine. You've already got a drink in hand. You've already tipped them. It's fine. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Great. I have thoughts and feelings. <laughs> Obviously. Have you ever been a bartender, Claire? 
No, but I mean, uh, we do theater in a bar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've spent lots of time in bars. Lots just, of time like, in bars. You, lots you of sp- time in bars. Like, you speak about being, about treating your bartender the way that I speak about the tie displays at department stores. <laughs> Because of that summer I worked at Macy's and had to deal with a tie display. Like, it felt so, so genuine, this feeling of yours. Uh, But, Neil, first thing. First things first. What has got you hot and bothered? Um, so, speaking, speaking of bars, Claire, Uh last night, you and I went out. We did! With a friend of ours, a new restaurant opened up near us. They do fried chicken and beer. Oh my god. Then that's like their thing. <laughs> they just they're like, you know what our thing is? Fried chicken and beer. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I had some chicken tenders and fries. They were so good. And then I'm not a beer person. Thankfully they had a few ciders. I had a cider. It's an apple cider that also had guava in it, and that was exciting. And it was just so nice to just, like, pretend like things were even a little bit normal. We did still sit outside, but just, like, yeah, hanging out with people on a Friday night, just, you know, having having chicken and beer. Uh. It was so lovely. And I'm just, I'm just so excited that it, we're getting ever closer to things being close to normal because of science and vaccines. <laughs> Science and vaccines. I will tell you, though, so. I am going to keep wearing a mask for several reasons. One, mm-hmm. I don't know what everybody else is doing. Two, <laughs> um, and I can't know. So, um, two, um, it's actually really nice when it's cold outside. I was like, oh, this is highly pleasant. Uh, it is cold mm-hmm. out, but my nose is warm. So, mask for that. <laughs> my, my nose is warm and kind of moist. That's not the most pleasant thing, but it's better than being cold. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> um, and also, uh, having spent a year not having gotten the flu, which is definitely something I get every fucking year. Okay, now. To be fair, I do not get the flu because I get the flu vaccine. So I get some variant of the flu or cold that goes around every year. Also, the flu and the cold are actually kind of similar and they're not actually two different viruses. They're actually same virus pairing. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, I always get some variant of it and get like laid out for like a week. Um, And I didn't this year. Fucking everybody wear masks when it's flu season. Everybody wear masks. I'm fucking like how easy that was to just not have that. Oh, fuck everybody. Wear masks. (laughs) I hope America adopts the going forward. Just like, oh, if you're sick and you're still out doing things just wear a mask because how many people do we know that come into work and it's like i'm sick but i have to do this and or because you know because of our medical system like there are plenty of people who have to choose between making money and staying home because they're sick but even if that's not true people are like i just have so much to do and then they are just getting their germs all over everything no no, for the rest of forever, if you are not feeling well and you have to go out in public, just wear a mask. Just wear yeah. a goddamn mask. And honestly, uh, sorry, um, if you're 
we should be doing work from home stuff. Like if your job can be done work from home, like that they should let you work from home. Like <laughs> I'm I'm fucking sorry. Like this is shown that we don't actually need to be in an office all the time. That that's um not sane anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> Anyway, I guess that feels like it also would cover my hot and bothered except I have an entirely different one. <laughs> well, if you I mean, this is our platform, so do what you will. I feel like I've gotten hot and bothered about so many things that we've just talked about, like bartenders and rude customers and people wearing face masks. Yeah. Working from home. Working from home. Um, I have something to share with you. Um, while in my search for the titles that we would, I would uh, force upon our listeners and upon you, um, mm-hmm. I very much want to cover like classic, like um, like you know, like pulp fiction books, and I want to do that. And it is so hard to find because they were out of print right away. But these are amazing. <laughs> and I just want to read out some of these. Um, the Mother Truckers by Marcus Miller. The Boys on Bikes played Shame Games with the Mother Truckers. And this is um, several young men who are tied up. And then there's like Hell's Angels sort of behind them, except they're called uh, Red Devils. And obviously there's all kinds of sex games going to happen. Go Down, Aaron, by Chris Davidson. The tagline on this uh, is third sex slave to the Third Reich's brutal lust. (laughs) Um... Uh, home of the gay, which actually just looks lovely. Like it's two men on holiday, <laughs> like near a pool, and they're just like having a lovely time. There's there's a guy in the background who's supposed to be serving them drinks, who has caught them, and uh, he's fine with it. He's just continuing to hold the drinks, waiting for them to get them. <laughs> <laughs> um, his brother love by Russ Tranner is amazing. <laughs> there's two young men having a delightful time one of them who is a ballerina the other one sitting on a chair uh drinking and just the the artwork is horrific <laughs> these poor faces make no sense um it almost looks like i mean the ballerina dancer is obviously showing off to this guy and it's it's mm-hmm. probably a very cute moment in the book but it also looks like he's actually going to attack him with ballet <laughs> um the devil is gay i don't i don't know it was just like and it's two men and a lady who's kind of been left out uh, (laughs) of the situation and you know the two guys are obviously about to get it on uh mr fancy pants by dick dale um two men in delightful underwear which just proves that gay men have been obsessed with underwear for a very long time. Forever. <laughs> um, holding each other's hands. Um, I mean, just all of these are just amazing. And I wanted us to read one of these, but I could not get a handle on these books. Um, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to go on to eBay and I'm going to see if I can find a whole just bag of these books and i'm gonna like one day have us read a bunch of these i will take one bag of pulp pulp erotica please yes (laughs) 
<laughs> like, and I that just, seems like a unit to buy books in. Oh, like, and I just love like what my favorite one is, uh, Midtown Queen, but it's it's dudes at the gym just working out. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and kind of looking at each other like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to show it to you. I just thought this was amazing. <laughs> good well yeah i've actually like um every time i go into our local bookstore and see some pulp some pulp erotica like that i'm like should i just buy some and do it for the podcast yes <laughs> yeah okay okay sure okay okay maybe we could do it like a whole month of ah uh. there you go okay we'll figure it out I mean, it would be delightful. Anyway, I just wanted to share those. We're talking about bartender books. Bartender books. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Pretty Perfect Boys in Makeup Book One by Christina Lee and Riley Hart. This one's kind of long, listeners, so if you feel like skipping, it's fine. Jesse. After spending the first part of my life trapped in a small town where it wasn't okay to be a makeup-wearing boy who liked boys, I swore I'd leave and never be anything but loud, proud, and unapologetically me. I've kept that promise. I'm following my dreams, have an apartment with my bestie, and get to dance my nights away at one of the hottest gay bars in Portland. The only downfall is Dane, the sexy bartender with a permascal always aimed my way. The tension between us is so strong that even the clubgoers notice, and they eat that stuff up. Our boss makes us dance on the bar together every Friday night. I might shake my booty a little more with Dane just because I love getting under his skin. It's not my fault he doesn't know how to have any fun, but I kind of want to teach him. Dane! I compare- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know you're funny when you just make yourself laugh. Dane! I got burned by my last boyfriend. Thankfully, my sister Bree and my niece Haley make my days a whole lot brighter. I'm getting back on my feet, including a decent job as a bartender, but working at a gay club makes it harder to keep it to myself. No way do I want to get reeled in by another charming, pretty face and get hurt again, and definitely not by someone like Jesse, whose audacity frustrates me to no end. <laughs> Sorry. It sounds like like what a country club mom would say. Oh, the sheer audacity. Sorry. So why do I want to shove him against the wall and screw that boldness right out of him? Only, sometimes he's pretty sweet, especially with Haley. As we go from enemies to angry hookups to friends, our feelings are changed and moving into uncharted territory. This can't go anywhere. Jesse and I are like oil and water. We just don't mix. Right? So Claire, that's what that book says it's about. Can I interject one small thing? Yes. So that that book cover is very thorough, but at the end when it says we're like oil and water, we just don't mix, in the actual book, it's like, oh, we're like oil and vinegar. I'm like, oh, so you make a delicious dressing together. Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Claire, that's what that book says it's about. What is this book actually about? Sort of. This is pretty much this book. I would say, like, um, one of the things that stands out is, like, our boss makes us dance. And it's like, no, that's part of the bar. Like, it's a rowdy bar <laughs> club where there's go-go dancers. <laughs> 
Can we talk about this bar for a hot second? Oh, no. I love this bar. I love both the bars that this man owns. There's too much going on at this bar. (laughs) There's too much going on at this bar. Okay. So the bar is called The Playground, which is a a great name for a gay bar. Great name for a gay bar. And then we're introduced to it by the fact that Jesse's a go-go dancer. I'm like, okay, I have an idea of what sort of bar this is. And then we find out later, it's like, oh, and we do drag brunch on Sundays. I'm like, okay, okay, I, I, I can see that. Sure, sure, sure. And it's like, oh, and then it's open at 11 a.m. every day because they also serve food. And I'm like, I don't... So where do you sit and eat if there are places for go-go boys to dance? Like, do you just put your tray on the stages where the go-go boys dance and eat? Do they also continue to serve food while the go-go boys are dancing? Because that's a good way to get sweat in your food. And if that's not what you're looking for. And then there's also a downstairs speakeasy that's like a jazz lounge all in the same bar. I'm just like, what is happening? This well, bar has too and many that things. called the underground. <laughs> Right, right. And uh, again, that's a good name. That's a good name for a speakeasy under a bar called The Playground. But like, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. And it's one of those things where if you go to a restaurant and they have too many different types of food, you know that none of them is good. (laughs) That's that's what I... It's like, I don't know. Anyway, that's just me. Yeah, yeah. It's just... But anyway... The conceit of this bar is that every Friday night they do coyote ugly style dance on the bar thing where mm-hmm. all the go-go dancers, it did sound like it was all of them at first, were just focused yep. on the this bartender and that go-go dancer. Mm-hmm. But like they get up on the bar and they dance and of course the bartenders are hot because it's a gay bar. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, so like it's uh it's a make us it doesn't sound right and then the, these two choose to dance together like mm-hmm. they could not but they choose to dance together also sorry one more thing when it talks about what jesse wears to dance in and it's like oh and in my little boy shorts i'm like no no honey I, okay i don't know how they do things up in portland but the bars that I've been to here in San Francisco and in New York, if you're a go-go boy in anything other than very revealing underwear, you are not doing your job properly. <laughs> um, I mean... Like, people need to be able to see things bouncing. That's that's what that's for. <laughs> right. I just... Um, I have a feeling about Riley Hart and Christina Lee the authors of this book and that i'm not you know i don't know their sexuality of course like i didn't research that um but i'm gonna have to say i really doubt they've been in these types of bars a lot (laughs) so there are certain things and i i sorry to keep like derailing the conversation there are certain things that i'm just like oh okay like you have gay friends like you do your research but then there are other things i'm just like what like the in the main bar there are two actual bars where you can order drinks one is called the top and one is called the bottom but they're just like in different corners on the same level i'm just like why oh you just knew the phrase top and bottom and thought it'd be cute to like throw in there i guess i don't know yeah yeah i think there was a lot of things that didn't quite add up for me and it definitely uh, I mean, 
uh, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of hate to say this. Like, in some ways, it, it felt like Jesse was a stand-in for a girl. Like, less of a, mm. less of a man. Just like with, uh, like a stand-in for a girl with gay things written on top of him. <laughs> like, mm. And I wasn't sure. It sometimes it felt wrong. Sometimes it felt right. I did really like. Uh, I thought Jesse was an interesting character overall, but like sometimes it just didn't quite click for me. Um, it didn't. Mm-hmm. And one of the big reasons I'm going to have to say that is because um, this is one of those books where it's like, oh, we're all adults here and we're just going to talk through our problems, which is what happens. Like, there's not actually any conflict in this book. <laughs> like, um, these two people. Um, rub each other the wrong way when they first meet Jesse and Dane. Um, and they don't get along right away because uh, Dane thinks Jesse's a flibberty gibbet who is probably like some sort of like. Um, uh, <laughs> well, it's true. It doesn't no, say you, that in the you book. Can't, <laughs> you cannot just casually drop flibberty gibbet into the conversation <laughs> and just go on like nothing happened. Girl. <laughs> yeah, this is weird thing that it's like, oh, Jesse's just so carefree. That obviously means that he like comes from money and has never had any struggle in his life, etc., etc., etc. It's just like, I like, I guess you could think that about a person, but eh. yeah, yeah, and I, I mean. <sighs> It seems like a weird thing for Dane to have assumed, but fine, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, like, I feel like um, having enough friends in the LGBTQ community, like, if I saw somebody just being, like, like wearing a lot of makeup and enjoying their life, I have never assumed, oh, that person's got it all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always assume, like... This is a person who's living their life right now. Um, like, do we? Well, you know, like they're happy right now. Like, but just like all of us, they've probably gone through some shit. And if you're queer, I've you've probably gone through a lot of shit. And I cannot understand that. I'm not going to assume they're like, you know, a trust fund kid. <laughs> Unless they get into their Maserati after they leave the club. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I, you know, and I've never looked at a go-go dancer and thought, that guy's rolling in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing that for fun. <laughs> no, never. Never in my life have I thought that. And, like, the thing is, like, there's some payoff to it because Jesse lives with his best friend, Seth, who does come from money. And, like, Seth's mom is paying for their very nice apartment. So when Dane finally drops Jesse off at the apartment and he sees, like, what part of town they're in and, like, what the building looks like, he's like, oh, obviously I was right that this person comes from money and then that becomes a thing. So, like, I get that, but it's like, wh- why would you assume that in the first place? Like, w- yeah, like, I-, I don't assume that anyone working at a bar come- like has the trust funds. Unless they not- own the bar. Unless they own the bar, I guess. But it, but uh, even then, even then, like yeah. honestly, like I was. But you know what? Fine. Again, like I just figured Dane had a type that he liked, and it was a type mm-hmm. that wasn't Jesse. Like that's kind of what I assumed. But no, that's not actually it at all. Dane is very much <laughs> into Jesse's type. <laughs> like Je- Jesse is very much his type. Yeah, uh, he was just like um, 
heartbroken and uh, scammed out of all of his money and life savings. So he was like, well, was- obviously none of those type of people anymore. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So here was another thing. So uh, Dane's ex, Steve, was like living 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 luxuriously and was just like ah dane i have everything figured out everything's but then it turns out that like he had a secret gambling problem and then like owed a bunch of people money so then he just like sold out their shit emptied out their bank accounts uh all that and dane's like i don't want to go through that again fair but he's like and jesse reminds me of steve because they have the same personality just like i I, that's like that's not enough for me like I could see like oh here are personality quirks that are similar but that also needs to be backed up by like behaviors to to lead you to believe that that's someone that that person is going to act like another person it's just like oh they're both so just like happy all the time and it's it's all a clever ruse it's like that's that's not enough for me no, well, and getting to conflict, that's also not enough for the conflict of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, that's all on Dane's side. So, Dane has a barrier to entry to this relationship, and that's Jesse reminds him of this person who hurt him very much. Jesse's barrier to entry into this relationship is, I just don't know him very well. <laughs> also, he, he's never had a crush before, so he's very anti-crush, which I do not believe for a second. Right. For a no. second. That this person has never had a crush on someone? No. No, absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. And so, and then, um, but, and then I'm going to have to say this, like, the more they find out about each other, the more they realize where they were wrong about certain things. Mm-hmm. But they talk it out every single time. They just talk it out like two adults, <laughs> which is delightful. I'm very mm-hmm. happy if you want to read a romance where two adults, like get to know each other and then mm-hmm. decide to be together this is the one <laughs> yeah it's like i gotta say something that i really enjoyed about this book is jesse is jealous and possessive and then at some point he realizes that and then actively works on that and works on his trust issues did i say Jace- jesse yeah but you meant dane. dane dane again all the problems on one side right dane realizes that he's jealous and possessive and then we see him actually do work on that throughout the book. So by the end, he's just like, things come up and he's like, no, I trust you. And we see moments where he's just like, I, I know that I need to trust Jesse. I know that if I am in this relationship, I need to trust him. And he's not done anything to prove to me that I shouldn't trust him. It's just very hard. And he's like dealing with these feelings and like, great, he has more self-awareness than every other jealous, possessive man that we have yeah. ever read in all of these books. Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> and I, uh, one part I enjoyed, um, so Jesse's talking to his friend at the bar and the friend is like, hey, so you and Dane, like, wow, so you're a boyfriend now? And Jesse's like, no. Like, absolutely not. We're just having fun. (laughs) Like, and Mm -hmm. we're barely doing that. So Mm -hmm. nothing is happening between the two of us. And Dane overhears this and gets his feelings all hurt and gets Mm -hmm. butthurt about it and, like, just abandons Jesse, um, even though he was going to give him a ride home that night. And 
Jesse's- Can we talk about what happened, like, in the scene just before that, where they hooked up in the storage room, and Dane said, there's nothing happening between us, <laughs> no, this well, was a mistake. And that's what nothing. I was getting to, like, when Jesse and <sighs> Dane talk, like, Dane's like, you said there was nothing going on, and Jesse's like, yeah, because there isn't. You were the one who said there was Because you said that. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. I'm sorry you overheard me talking to somebody who's genuinely interested in my life, and I was honest with them. Like, <laughs> and, and Dane's like, oh, right. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, and that is one. And I, I really, I did like that moment where it was just sort of like this very honest sort of, no, this is how it works. But again, the problem is lopsided. It's all on Dane. Mm-hmm. Dane is the one who has to fix things. And we do follow Jesse as Jesse, like, becomes, like, a fuller human and goes back to his family and sort of has, like, this very difficult conversation with his parents and about acceptance and about love, um, which all turns out great. That's all great. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, The scene in the hospital did get me choked up. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, that was kind of... That was kind of delightful and sad. And what was really great about that is, like, I love the complex feelings that Jesse had, like, that Jesse had wanted to talk to his father, that Jesse did want to participate in their lives, but Jesse, like, also had been afraid the entire time that uh, if he was honest with them, if he was himself with them, they would hate him, that they would have this horrific sort of... um, sort of response and in most books like this um you know where it's adults who talk to each other and it's like the fantasy ending where the parents are like no 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 we do love you we're learning we're figuring it out and they realize they were catastrophizing in this moment he's doing this with his dad and his dad has a heart attack and he's like well there it is like obviously everything's my fault and um i shouldn't have like pushed like i'm killing the people i love by being myself and what a horrible thing that is and then his mother's like no 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 no. your your father has ongoing heart issues (laughs) you could not have done this this is not your fault and that sort of like that was it was complex it was dramatic it was also heartfelt and it was real and it felt like a real life problem it didn't feel like the fantasy oh we're your mormon family who's just suddenly come to terms with everything and here here's the light at the end of the tunnel and we're embracing you it was like no we're still having but it's not your fault like (laughs) it's okay it's okay and like that was lovely yeah where he left things off with the parents was like the beginning of the journey that the parents would have to take to sort of like reconcile their beliefs with their love for their son and their understanding of the world and who he is and like it felt like the beginning of that process yes. as opposed to just like oh this one thing happened and now my mind has changed completely right which I so. did really I also oh, really nice. liked about that and thought that was that was kind of lovely also can we talk about the car there's this really lovely payoff with the car where Jesse has this thing that he doesn't own a car and he refuses to like take rides from people. He refuses to let Seth lend him his car um, because he's like, yeah, like I, I know that they, that I don't have a car and we all know that I can't afford a car, but I'm not going to like accept charity. And he, he's weird about Seth paying for stuff, which is like completely understandable. 
But then he goes on a shopping spree at Sephora. I'm like, bitch, just go to Target. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so he, he has this thing where it's like, I'm, I'm doing this on my own and I don't want people to like hand me things and, and it's all perfectly understandable. And then in this really, um, important moment where Jesse goes back to visit his parents for Christmas right before he, um, sort of like has that conversation with his dad that, that doesn't lead to the heart attack, but ends in a heart attack. Dane is like, I just got my car fixed up. Take it instead of taking the bus so that if you start this conversation and things go south you can leave whenever like if you don't want to be there anymore you're not stuck there you you have the ability to just come back and like when jesse sees that for the gesture that it is uh that and he like accepts and takes the car then it's like oh like that was that felt like really good payoff to me it had been set up so well over the course of the book i'm just like oh that's really sweet no agreed really really agreed like i just um i think for me um there was a lot of really sweet things in here and i think this book Mm -hmm. is worth reading but there was um they're just the conflict between the two of them just wasn't enough for me um it just Mm -hmm. it was paper thin and like it wasn't sustainable either like as Mm -hmm. soon as the two of them started talking to each other outside of you know having fun sex times like uh that like all conflict was cleared up and Mm -hmm. it would have been nice if there was a a little bit of romantic conflict that carried on through towards that car moment like Mm -hmm. that like all the way up until then we could really feel that these two people were just having like we're just near missing um right until that moment and then it's like oh and even we could still have dane working on jealousy issues we could still have jesse working on trust issues again we need to jesse to work on some sort of issue instead of like instead of being an angel baby like that he is (laughs) Um, so, like, it, and then they, they come together and realize they can work on these things together and be in love. Like, I just, it was just a little flimsy conflict-wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like there was more conflict with Brie and her husband. Oh, my God. was with, with Jesse and Dane. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, this is a perfect second chance romance. Like, the two of them are married and having this hard time and the struggles. And then, um, and then her brother moves in and is able to, like, tell her, like, hey, you need to, like, treat yourself. <laughs> treat yourself. You need to, like figure out who you are as a human being again and then and you need to demand certain things from your husband like Mm -hmm. you know like i was like oh yeah no that's very interesting and that would be very hard for them to get back together they did magically off screen yeah magically off screen what i did like though because so Bree's husband is a trucker and then they have a four-year-old daughter so he's gone a lot obviously and she's like they're struggling to make ends meet she's for the most part, for most of the year, a single parent, but then Dane comes in to help. And then when we do finally meet the husband, like, he actually is a nice guy, and he actually is doing what he's doing because he does want to provide for his family. So that was nice. Like, I was expecting him to just show up and, like, be kind of an asshole, but that's not what happened, and I was happy about that. (laughs) Also, I have one last thing to say. I don't know if you have much else to say. Um, So the roommate, Seth, Mm -hmm. who 
is I looked ahead. He's the next book, and obviously his book is about love helping him get over trauma. Um, it's so it's so funny. It felt to me like as they were finishing the book, our authors were like, "Oh, we could like just keep this going in a series. What could be the thread tying everything together?" Ooh, boys in makeup, and like three quarters of the way through the book we hear for the very first time that Seth puts on makeup sometimes right yeah. so it's like they decided after the fact that, oh we'll just put Seth in some makeup too great now we have our next book yeah and Seth's character I mean speaking about paper thin like, <laughs> like I... adorable little tiny maybe asexual cuddle bug who like mm-hmm. <laughs> who wants to come in and have like lovely little chats with his friend and live vicariously through his friend's life um not have sex but talk about sex and in fact only talk about sex like we hear nothing about the rest of sex Seth's life except as a sounding board for jesse for like yeah, a yeah, yeah. really long time and we've got an explanation for it but the explanation feels paper thin and like you said mm-hmm. edited in after the fact like they're like oh we found somebody else we'll just carry this on um let's make sure he has some backstory pain and something else happening great great yeah but and then iffy. we we meet his future his future uh co-star also if you'll remember mark has that friend who's a mechanic that shows up that one time yeah that's what the next book is about. Seth and that mechanic from that one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, I don't know why he showed up to Thanksgiving, that mechanic, but he did. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Like, it's, again, paper thin. Although I do like, I have to say, it's a, like, it's, like, a difficult to find, like, trope and thread, but not difficult to find, but, like, the piano player um at mm-hmm. a bar like that person as a romantic interest i don't know why but i love it i fucking love it every time like <laughs> i'm just like, like the moment like again didn't cover that seth played the piano until the very end of the book but there is seth playing the piano in his makeup at the at this fancy underground bar and i'm like well that could have been brought up way sooner <laughs> but um, also, like, even though I thought paper thin, not entirely interested, ugh, I hope it's going to be better. Like, it's fine. Like, this book was good. I hope the next one's better. But I was like, as soon as I found out he was a piano player, I was like, I'm going to read that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm oh, in. Oh, oh, he's a piano player at a bar? Ooh, I guess I have to read it now. <laughs> also, Seth, Seth is the, the sort of friend that always says to Jesse, like, the thing that is true that Jesse doesn't want to admit. Like, oh, you have feelings. Oh, he's your boyfriend. All these things. And, like, their, I thought that their interactions were super cute and just the way that Seth went about it. Um, except there was one point where they come back, Jesse and Dane come back to the apartment, and they're, like, starting to hook up in the living room. And Dane's like, oh, did I wake up your roommate? And this is while he's still jealous. And, like, he knows, he knows that... Jesse and Seth, like, cuddle sometimes, but, like, 
nothing has actually happened and so that made him jealous so as they're like sort of hooking up in the living room he's like oh did you did you did we wake your roommate up he like half hopes that seth comes in so that he can see dane with jesse so that he knows that jesse picked dane over seth even though it was like a non-issue and then jesse's response to that was like oh no he knows better i'm just like seth find new friends yeah that was that was a very rough rough uh few sentences i was just like what is happening yeah yeah god so i'm when jesse moved out i'm like i'm glad seth has a two-bedroom apartment that he doesn't have to pay for oh agreed agreed although obviously part of his conflict with his parents is that his parents are trying to control him and so yeah 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 yeah. see how that goes but like honestly like we found out a lot about seth in the later pages but before that he was just oh jesse needs someone to talk to Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was ugh. I, I'm not a big like. Those characters are all over romance, and we're gonna cover another one, another two in just a minute. But um, mm-hmm. I I get dull. Those those characters become dull for me really quick. When they have mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. else going mm-hmm. on and no other reason except like oh well they need to talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Well. That was that book. That was that book. That was that okay. book. Breaking the Bachelor, Smart Cupid, Book One by Maggie Kelly. Goaded by her competition, matchmaker Jane Wright makes a very public bet that she can find the perfect match for Manhattan's hottest confirmed bachelor, sexiest sin bartender, Charlie Goodman. Unfortunately, Charlie is also Jane's ex-lover, a man she broke up with on a cocktail napkin. With her company on the line, Jane has no choice but to convince the man of her most impractical dreams to dive back into the dating pool. Charlie doesn't want to see Jane's business fail. He just wants a little revenge. Determined to prove Jane that chemistry always beats compatibility algorithms, he plans to drive her crazy with desire, then walk away. And his plan is working a little too well, actually, because even as Jane scrambles to calculate Charlie's best match, the heat building between them combusts. But Charlie's been so busy outsmarting Cupid that he hasn't noticed he's the naughty cherub's next little target. <laughs> and, um, that's what that book says it's about. <laughs> Neil Higgins. <laughs> yes. What was that book? What is this book? What is this book? Okay. So I think it would be easier to go through the chronology of the characters rather than the chronology of the book. Okay. Because okay. there's a there's a fair amount of backstory. That, so much backstory. That pops up and um listeners, just to give you an idea of what this book was like for me. I have so many unanswered questions. <laughs> so, so many unanswered questions. So let us begin. Okay. Charlie, who in this book was just recently voted New York Times Magazine's sexiest mixologist, which uh-huh. like, fuck you. <laughs> um, I don't have time for that hipster nonsense. Like, fuck off. Okay, so Charlie comes from money. He comes from, um, like, the Upper West Side. He 
uh, and then his mom died in a car accident, and then his father was sort of negligent and just like, I'm alone with all this money. I don't know what to do. And then according to the book, that's when he ended up in Brooklyn. Uh Uh-huh. Why Brooklyn? How Brooklyn? I don't know. It sounded as if he jumped into a cab and said to the cab driver, take me somewhere. And the cab driver's like, how far can I take this kid This kid to like get money out of him? And just like dumped him in Brooklyn Heights. And was like, see ya! And then um, Charlie became friends with this guy, Nick. Uh, which I don't... Has, uh, again, I don't know how. I don't know how, how? they became Why? friends. I don't know I, in under what know. circumstance. No. And then... So he became good friends with Nick and would just like spend a lot of time at the at their their apartment, and then he, he, uh, none of this is explained. I don't know why any of this. And then he has a younger sister, Jane. Nick does. So yep. Charlie became close with Nick, and by extension became close with Jane. So they kind of like grew up together. They were very close friends. He called her Angel, which I fucking hate, and I don't know why. But his nickname Especially for her... Especially when I found out she had a different nickname that actually made way more sense. <laughs> right? He calls her Angel because her brothers were always getting into trouble, so she's the Angel. But she was the good one. Oh, God. Whatever. Anyway, so then we cut to, like, six months ago from when the book starts, and Jane and Charlie are on a vacation together in the Cayman Islands. Is it just the two of them? I don't know. Who else is there? I don't know. How did they decide to go? I don't know. I don't know. What, did they start dating previous to them going to the Cayman Islands? No. No, we know that very specifically. And let me oh, tell yeah. you why. So um, so then they just start fucking. And for six <laughs> days, they just keep fucking. And you know what? Good for them. Yeah, no, sure. I have no problem with sure. that. Sure. Yay. And then... Jane goes to one of the bars at the resort or whatever and sees Charlie flirting with one of the girls, one of the bartenders. And so now Jane calls her the rum runner girl because apparently this girl's way of flirting with Charlie was to be like, oh my God, you're a bartender. How do you make a rum runner? Um, I don't know how close... I've. Jane was part of this conversation at all so I don't know how she knows that they were talking about a rum runner that is unclear Mm -hmm. so then Jane broke up with Charlie by saying on a cocktail like writing down on a cocktail napkin we're through we're broken up whatever and then just like went home and then they didn't speak for six months so he's her ex but not really they didn't date. They weren't together. And through the whole book, it's like, oh my god, he's my ex. But he's not really my ex. And it's it felt to me as if the writer was like, I love this trope of the exes who had a contentious breakup having to get together and fall back in love with each other. And I'm like, sure, great. That's fun, I guess. Um, but then... But then she didn't feel like writing their relationship. So she's like, oh yeah, they just fucked for six days and now they're exes. I'm like, yeah. And then we find out later, pretty soon in, that actually he wasn't flirting with that girl. She literally was just like, oh, how do you make the drink? And he's like, oh, you do this, this, and this, and this. And then Jane's like, I'm going to tell myself that he's, and tell everyone else that he's flirting with her, and that's why I'm breaking up with him. Well, and they had to talk close together because it was a loud bar. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th- that. Okay. So then we are now at when the book opens. And Jane has started this company that match it's an app and it match makes people based on a very specific algorithm because she believes that like you can reduce love to like points of compatibility and find people that way and she has this weird guarantee of like whatever anyway so she's on the today show talking about her app and then the CEO of her nemesis company just like appears and he's like I I don't think you can match anyone and she's like he's like it's a numbers game and she's like of course I can and he's like what about Charlie because Charlie who's New York Times Magazine's sexiest mixologist so everyone knows that he recently went through a breakup everyone knows this everyone knows this because he's the sexiest mixologist in New York um so they just like decide that he's the bet. Never, never once does anyone wonder if he's actually interested in a relationship. And in fact, later it says that he's not. It says very specifically that he's never interested in a relationship ever again, which is an unhealthy reaction. But sure. Um, so they're like, so this, the 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 premise of this bet is this guy was like, oh, let's get this very attractive person who's not interested in dating and have you set him up with someone and find love because that'll work that's fair and everyone's just like okay let's do it right and and like she she puts her company on the line she's like yeah i'll make that happen and then we find out immediately that in fact she detests and hates all betting because her father was a gambling addict so, so in fact, like this is the one bet she's ever made in her entire life, and it was like, sure. why? why? What? Like that is not a character thing that makes any sense. <laughs> sure, sure. And then also, like, why would you like who, do? I feel like you're breaking a matchmaker code if you're like, oh, this person isn't interested in dating. I'll fix that. Like, what? Well, and there was things about this premise that I really did find interesting and fun and that would be neat in a movie with like stars like Mm -hmm. these two like matchmaking companies like these two apps like are like have been going head to head for a while and one of them is like publicly says to the other one we can't you can't do it and then the other one's like no i can figure it out and at the today's show at the same time the segment just previous to that was with charlie the bartender so Mm -hmm. he's still on set like he's been there and he's claimed specifically he's like oh i love dating i love going out i will never find there's no such thing as true love there's no such thing as romance like i love meeting girls but i do not i will never find love great and now we've got like and so then he says this and then right after that is the next segment where the other one's like um why don't we see who can you know like have charlie be on both of our apps and see which one he's going to find romance with and because she wants to win so badly she ends up spending time with him and kind of cheating and trying to find out more about him and then through doing that they fall in love that is literally where i thought this premise was gonna go i'd and watch that it, movie it went nowhere near any of those places no and, was, and also the thing that pisses me off so that um 
so that uh, he has this whole plan that he's gonna like drive her crazy and then leave her. Um, I don't know when the and then leave her came up, but it was very quickly dissipated. He was very quickly <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. This is the woman of my dreams and has been forever. Um, and I'm gonna just make that happen now. Like, he has no intention of, like, helping her out. Like, he's kind of doing the dates she sets up with him, which we only see one of them, which was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, she does the dates he sets her... Uh, she set up him on, like... Uh, f- f- but, like, we don't see them, so we don't know what the interaction is or what happens. There's one time... Oh, my God. One of the dates actually doesn't happen because... So he... He he got set up with this girl from Brooklyn, but they both live in Manhattan now. And he's like, oh, yeah, I wanted to take her here in Brooklyn, but she refused to come out to Brooklyn. So it's obviously not a match because a girl who turns her back on her hometown will turn her back on her man or something. And I'm like, bitch, no, I that's that's like saying like, oh, hey, come out to like, you know. Dublin for a first date. Like, I'm not getting on public transportation for an hour for a first date <laughs> when we live in the same part of town. Like, that's not how it works. Um, and I also uh, 100% Yeah, and he does the ag- thing where he's like, oh, here are my impossible standards, but he's actually, like, describing Jane and... Yeah, uh, but also, uh, like, his, like, outside of just describing Jane, which was so obvious, his standards actually seemed pretty reasonable in some ways. Like, he's like... You know, he's like, well, look, I'm never going to be a vegetarian. I absolutely believe in eating meat, and I own a bar that serves meat, and I'm not going to stop doing that. So fixing me up with a vegetarian wasn't actually a good idea. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And that's an incompatibility. Like, the, and I was like, why would the algorithm set those two up like mm-hmm. that? That is a basic question. Um, especially, like, if you're in New York, like, like, no, like, that is, like, what is this compatibility algorithm that, like, didn't have, like, oh, what are, what do you eat? Like, like if you're going on dates with somebody, that seems pretty basic. (laughs) Um, and also, apparently, there's only two people who work at this company. So, her daddy issues, like, they, they make more sense in that her dad had gambling problems, her dad would cheat on mom a lot he'd like disappear and and like she's like okay that's a really terrible model for a relationship i don't know if i can trust being a relationship because this is the model that i have and i'm like okay that 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 tracks sure but then her whole thing is that she's very against chemistry Mm -hmm. between two people because she thinks that it was chemistry that made it so that her mom stayed with her dad and so for a lot of this book when she says chemistry i i thought she was just talking about lust like wanting to fuck someone isn't enough of a foundation of a relationship which is ironic because that's what this book is basically saying like oh they want to fuck each other so that means they're in love but put a pin in that later um but yeah so so for a lot of this book i'm like okay so she's talking about lust like you like wanting to fuck someone isn't enough of of a foundation for a relationship okay i get that i get that but then she was talking about other aspects of chemistry that didn't make sense to me like 
like then it was just like oh gen just like being attracted to a person isn't enough like i didn't understand what she was trying to get at when she kept talking about chemistry but regardless of that if we follow that through line oh it's chemistry that made it so that my mother stayed with my father and i don't like chemistry and regardless of what chemistry is or like the various definitions it's like oh my mom just loved fucking my dad so much that she stayed in this really terrible relationship that's that's a hor that's a horrible thing to think it's a horrible thing to think and very untrue yeah no and i like there was a big part of me that wanted to say okay sure like you are super hot for this dude but you know he's trouble. You know he's not a rule follower. You know he kind of goes against everything else you believe. And you just, you want to have sex with him, but there's so much else about him that just doesn't match with you. That makes sense to me, except that's not what's happening in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, these two have been friends for a long time. No. They like all the exact same things. Um, they've uh, known each other really well. And we don't actually get any of Charlie's personal life outside of the backstory. We don't know if he's a serial dater. We don't mm-hmm. know if he flirts with every girl he's ever met. We don't know any of those things. Like, we have no idea what Charlie is like outside of sounding like a pretty nice guy. There's a point, too, where she talks about how he's, oh, he's such a rule breaker. The only rules that we ever see him break are her boundaries. Other than that, he seems like a perfectly upstanding human being. But then as soon as she says, no, I'm putting down these rules for us. Those are the rules that he breaks. No, Neil, Neil, he likes to keep secret that he's a nice man. He keeps it a secret <laughs> that he has a charitable organization. He keeps it a secret that he owns the bar. He keeps it a secret that he's also employed Why? her brother. <laughs> For no reason. Oh, because he doesn't want people to think he's nice. Don't want people to think I'm nice. Yeah, so when we... When we found out that information, like, did all this happen in the last six months when they weren't speaking and that's why she doesn't know this? Or has this been true for years and he just didn't tell his close friend that he owns a bar? Uh, yeah, unknown. Unknown. How did they, how did uh, all of Greater New York find out that he was a sexy mixologist? How, what was the track there? What, like, honestly like this book like none of it made sense none of it made sense but it also included some of my <laughs> least favorite tropes uh, uh which is like uh ladies be sexy if they're one of the boys so like uh must like hockey must mm. like boys type movies um must eat hamburgers and enjoy the fuck out of eating hamburgers must never get a salad and then only like kind of daintily munch at it like fuck you fuck you like uh let's go ahead and just pile on our all our feelings about women and body issues and like call what like oh call you know i need you to be tiny and thin but i also need you to eat every fucking burger that comes in your in your way and also eat all the pizza fuck you fuck you book fuck you like what is this trope this trope Mm -hmm. is the most insane absurd and like this is one of those books like everybody wears jeans everybody wears jeans all the time that is not a special thing everybody wears jeans um but this book wants to say like oh she's sexy because she's wearing jeans and they're like 
Why did we call that out? It's like, what? what <laughs> we all do. They're cheap and accessible and look nice on our bodies. Like, we all fucking wear jeans. <laughs> Stop pointing that out. Except you, they... People point that like that's a trope in a book that is like, oh, see, she's chill. Even though this main character is the opposite of a chill person. And I was like, no, no, no. Should have 100% put her in heels and a a cute dress. Should have 100% have her been the type that over controls her food because she's worried about it all the time because she's controlling every fucking aspect of her life. Should have absolutely Mm -hmm. been that. No, she's got to be a chill, chill, cool character whose favorite movie is Rocky and also owns a (sighs) matchmaking company and doesn't know anything about code and also um, drinks uh, Manhattan Rise. Must be that lady. <laughs> Fuck you, book. Fuck you forever. <laughs> uh, I have two two more points, and then I think that's all I need to say. One is, so each chapter starts with a little tweet, either from her account or from the rival company. And one of them says... A relationship is a two-way street. Make sure you're both driving in the same direction. And my first thought is, that's not how two-way streets work. If you're on a two-way street and you're driving... (laughs) (laughs) If If you're both driving on a two-way street and you're driving the same direction... One of you is going to get into a car. One of you is actually driving the wrong way. One of you is going to be Charlie's dead mom. Uh, And your love cannot shield you. Oh, my God. (laughs) The other point that I like to uh, sort of wrap up that I mentioned earlier is that, like, so she's so anti-chemistry, and yet this book equates lust and love, which I have actually, like... I've noticed in quite a few of the straight books, like, the way that a woman knows that she's in love with a man is that she wants to fuck him. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think this also ties into, like, oh, the difference between the terrible ex and the terrible new guy is that she wants to fuck the new guy. So that means that she's in love with him. And that is, like, that antiquated bullshit I do not have time for, okay? Like, like... The women writing these books, like, have you never just wanted to have sex with someone that you weren't also no, in love Neil. with? No. And like, just do that. It's okay. Just, just do that. Just go have sex with someone that you're not in love with. It's fun. Unless, unless you don't want to have sex, then don't do that. Obviously, <laughs> but like, ladies, and I feel, and I like this. This is crazy to me because I, I feel like almost every woman that I have known in my life is just like, yeah, I want to have sex with that guy, so I did. But, like, somehow, I don't know, there's this, like, other population or this narrative that we are still supporting that doesn't reflect on anything and yet still informs our values around sex and love, and I just don't understand why this continues to be true. But here's a quote from this book from Charlie's perspective. True. He never managed to say, I love you, but he'd shown her with his actions, made love to her like a man who would never get enough of her, who would never leave her. 
So it's like, oh, I fucked her. So she knows that I love her. No. 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 Having sex can be an expression of your love, but the two are not... The, the two are not right. the same thing. Sex and love are not the same thing. And, like, I think we just need to acknowledge that uh, because we were founded... America is a country founded by Puritans who, who villainize sex except for the point of procreation. But then also the patriarchy is like, no, it's totally okay for dudes to just, like, fuck as many women as they want. But, like, for women, sex is only reserved for love. And that's stupid. And we need to never do that Correct. ever again. Unless it's your choice as an informed, consenting adult. But, like, why? Anyway, I feel like that's all I had to say about that Ugh, book. That's all, that's all I've got to say. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> Neil... Are you yes. ready to play Fuck Mary Carol? Are you ready? Are you ready? Fuck Mary Carol. Are you ready? Fuck Mary Carol. 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 Okay, great. Neil, fuck Mary yes. Kill. Mm-hmm. Um, bartenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, go-go dancers. Mm-hmm. Piano players. Oh, fuck. Okay, so I'm going to marry <laughs> piano players. <laughs> Obs. Obs. And, uh, I'm going to fuck bartenders, and I'm going to kill go-go boys. Only because, only because... I personally can survive without go-go boys. I cannot survive without bartenders. Mm, mm. I don't. I don't want to kill go-go boys. They provide a very important service, and great. Well, <sighs> complicated feelings around that, and like the objectification of people within the gay male community. Whatever. It's fine. We don't need to get into it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think I'm, I I'm going to marry piano players, fuck bartenders, and begrudgingly kill go-go boys. <sighs> what about you? Okay. Um, oh, I think I'm going to marry a bartender, um, <laughs> if only because like I would love it if somebody just knew my drink, knew how to make it in a way that I liked it, and just like was ready. You know, just like here it is. Like <laughs> the sort of support system seems delightful to me. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm on board with that. Um, and I think I'm going to fuck piano players because, again, I've already stated that I have that very particular sort of niche trope that I enjoy very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for some reason, I also like them being unattainable. I like I like that a bartender's attainable, um, but I like that the go the 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 piano player may be a little soulfully unattainable. And in any other like, if there was other things in the mix, I probably would fuck the go-go dancer because ah, fun. Right, right, right. They know what they're doing. Um, but I think I'm only going to kill them in this instance, and only because in this instance, when I have other things um, involved. Um, I I love the go-go dancer trope as well. Like, I love... Mm-hmm. Also, because it go-go dancers feel unattainable. 
they also feel like they're there for your entertainment and for your sexual pleasure to enjoy while you're having drinks and like that's it's awkward and fun and delightful and that's who they are they are supposed to feel far away and that's what Mm -hmm. i and that's something this book didn't have that i do kind of like in that particular type of trope but Mm -hmm. um and that's what makes them also sexy like Mm. um but mm, in this case there's a piano player involved (laughs) right right yeah these are the difficult choices that we have to make okay claire yes fuck mary kill brie marianne and seth so the supportive, the supportive friends and family who call people out on their feelings when they refuse to, with a slight addendum that because it seems like Seth might be asexual, that if you if you choose to fuck him, it's going to be lots of cuddles instead of fucking. Fair, 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 fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, he might not be asexual because he may just be getting over trauma. So, like. Who knows what's happening in the book? In this moment when we know him, he seems to not be interested in having sex. Yes. And I want to respect that. I definitely want to respect that. Yeah. Um, So FCK. FCK. Fuck Cuddle Kill. Or no, CMK. Cuddle Mary Kill. (laughs) I don't know words. No, who does? Um, I am going to marry Marianne. Um, One, Mm -hmm. because she obviously has a head for um, creating apps that do very well. And honestly, <laughs> that means money, honey. And but not only that, but she's super smart. And I love that she's just following her best friend around and she's like and like her best friend is like, Oh, it's it's all about like algorithms. It's about algorithms and she's like, Well, no, not really. I mean it's a relationship. <laughs> like, I mean I mean the algorithm is to set people up who are using her app. Like they're not like it's not like a definitive. Like, why did you make that bet? <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I like this job. <laughs> and like and then she's like, you know, I I really think that you uh like Charlie like more than like. I think you two are in love with each other and should just get together. She's like, no, 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 no. The app even said we're not allowed to be together. She's like, no, no, no. The app says you're supposed to be together. Like, it's a very, like, the algorithm even matched you two. You just refused. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And Marianne is, like, super, super supportive, too, because she's like, oh, I think you're in love with Charlie. And if you are, that's fine. Just tell me so I can start looking for a new job. Yeah. Yeah, like, she's she's just like, come on, like, why are we... Anyway, so I'm going to marry Marianne, because she seems to have a good head on her shoulders, though I don't know what's going to happen in the next books. Obviously, she's going to be in the next books, and I may hate Mm -hmm. her then, but uh, no, she seems smart and intelligent and capable. Um, She has to get over her daddy issues. So many daddy issues. (laughs) But it's... They could easily just have had former lover issues. They could just have had former lover issues, whatever Mm -hmm. fine it's fine um Mm -hmm. so and then i think i am going to fuck seth cuddle seth i apologize i'm going to cuddle Cuddle seth Seth. one Mm -hmm. because seth is also very supportive um Mm -hmm. happy to buy me dinner um and like and likes cuddles (laughs) and i like cuddles and he seemed uber cuddly so that sounds delightful and is supportive Mm -hmm. of my choices and plays a piano Again, yes. plays a piano. 
<laughs> He's that unattainable piano player. Indeed. And because cuddles. There's there's a line past which he does not want to go. So if you do, it's just like, it's unattainable. So it's sexy. But also... But I know that you'll respect his boundaries. I will. Also, I think he actually would be okay with me going and having sex with other people and just coming back and having cuddles. Yeah. And would want to hear about it. Yeah. And yeah. It, and if he doesn't, I feel like he's also a person who sets up boundaries really well. So yes, that's fine with me. <laughs> Which, of course, means I'm going to kill our single mom. <laughs> Poor Bray. Poor she Bray. doesn't deserve it. She doesn't deserve it. She just, Again, this is how the game works. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. It's sad that we have to kill a single mom. Mm-hmm. But her daughter Haley needs some sort of parent issues for, you know, her future life. Otherwise, how, she, how will she ever true. find romance? <laughs> how will she get over trauma by using some dude's dick if we don't kill her mom? Yeah, we gotta, we gotta do it. That was a really horrible thing I just said. Goodness me. Oh, believe me. We have said many a horrible things. <laughs> no. No. Bless. Um, I would do the same. I will also marry Marianne. Also, it's fun to say Mary Marianne. Mm-hmm. Um, though that is very close to my mother's name, so that might get a little. Uh, um, but yeah, she seems great. She's very supportive. She seems very smart, and she she has a much healthier view on love than Jane does, which yep. I appreciate about her. Same. Um, and then yeah, I want to cuddle the fuck out of Seth because he. I get the sense that he's also. Uh, pretty petite like he's a he's a smaller so i'll just like wrap myself around him like a big old bear and just cuddle him forever and then we'll order in chinese food because uh he ordered chinese food and he ordered good things yeah everything that he he's like i ordered this 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 and this it all sounded great oh my god yes it made me hungry reading that part (laughs) yeah and then i'm i feel so bad because brie is so lovely and like she accepted to Jesse right away, and of course she knew all along that Steve was garbage and trouble. Um, but them's, them's the, the breaks. breaks. Them's the I'm breaks. I'm sorry, Bree, but I killed you. <laughs> um, yeah. And all the characters. Um, well, um, all of the characters. I think. Mm, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to have sex with Dane and Jesse. I'm sorry. I'm going to have sex with both of them. I know they're not into me. Okay. I know that. But honestly, I mean, it, it, it seemed like fun. It seemed like a fun fuck. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Except it was, it was, every single time it was very quick. Like, it was quick. It was angsty. There was a lot happening between the two of them. Things were going on. But honestly, like, go-go dancer and bartender well, let's do it <laughs> but um jesse doesn't like threesomes it says very specifically that jesse doesn't like threesomes <sighs> and i don't believe that of his character also dane is jealous so he doesn't like threesomes either but they're also not real people so whatever it's trouble well i'm gonna fuck the two of them um yeah yeah <laughs> but i'm mostly fucking the two of them so that i can kill uh charlie and jane <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I think like that's that's the end of that. Like you know, <laughs> um, th- I didn't enjoy them. Um, I uh, I had no interest in whether or not they got together. I assumed they were going to, but I had no interest in that. Like 
you know, it was fine. Um, and I'm going to marry <laughs> um, Marianne and Mark. Um, oh, no, not Mark. Uh, Marianne and Nick. Nick is Charlie's sounding board. I didn't like him because when he was like, oh, you... It was something stupid like, oh, you didn't tell my sister that you loved her, so I'm, like, selling my portion of the bar. Bye! I mean, I kind of... I I kind of also got the choice in a way, because, like, if he had just told Jane, if Charlie had just told Jane that he's been in love with her since they were, you know, teenagers mm-hmm. and that he went on that vacation with her because he's in love with her and, like, mm-hmm. if he had pursued her at all after the cocktail napkin, it's not like he didn't know where she was. No, he did. He kept trying to get in touch with her and she ignored him. Um, that is not, you're hanging out with the brother. Like, there are ways. Right. <laughs> also, this means that Nick also kept secret from Jane. Yeah. That, uh, Charlie owns the bar and has this charity and all this other weird shit that they don't tell her for no reason. Yeah. No. Again, uh. all these characters are imperfect, but I'm going to marry the yeah. two of them because at least they uh, talk about feelings. <laughs> that's tr- that's fair. That's and, fair. Uh, yeah. you know, Nick is a, an attorney and um, Marianne own- has an app or can make an app. And I think yeah. um, I will be sitting pretty. And that's all I care about. <laughs> I just care about financial security. Sorry, every romance yep. novel is right. That's- I just care about financial security. <laughs> yep. That's that's why we do theater. <laughs> I want to be a go-go dancer, and I just need financial security. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Okay, okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to fuck Dane. Um, that sounded like fun. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fine. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to marry Marianne. Just because she seemed lovely. Um, and then, so, my first instinct was to kill Jane and or Charlie. But I didn't dislike them that much. I was just like, eh, fine, whatever. Um, so I'm going to kill Steve, which is oh, Dane's ex. Yeah. Because he, he, was, he was malicious in a way that Jane and Charlie weren't no he was a true villain he was a true villain yeah 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 so he should die um and then i i think now that jane and charlie are together like they can just like solve each other's parental issues and then she'll eat too much candy he'll have his charity and they'll be fine or whatever (laughs) and the books um so i think I am probably going to fuck Pretty Perfect. Like, it wasn't my favorite book. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it is lovely. It's two adults who just figure it out. <laughs> like, and that's fine. <laughs> um, it wasn't my favorite read. Um, I, I, I still feel like it was two lady authors who were taking advantage of uh, the ability to to you know to, to corner you know to get into the, the market of lgbtq literature um mm-hmm. but honestly it was a fine story it was like the characters were interesting mm-hmm. there's a lot of lovely things in it um uh and i'm gonna kill breaking the bachelor because it was a stupid book yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair. Fair. Um, I think I'm going to do the same. I'm also going to fuck pretty perfect. Um, there were some issues, but there's some really nice things in there. And, like, I felt that these two lady authors understood gay men more than some of the other. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Yeah. Um, like, they mentioned prep at some point. That That's, like, the first time that's ever been mentioned in any of our books. It's true. Um... Yeah, yeah, there are parts of it that's just like, eh. and then the stuff with the parents. And, yeah, okay. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fuck it. It'll be fine. Um, and then breaking the bachelor, like, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't necessarily hate it. I think my threshold of things that I want to kill has just been so very altered by doing this podcast. Um, I, but I guess I will still kill it, but it will be very quick and painless. I don't want it to suffer. Like, it was... It wasn't great, but it wasn't, like, awful. I Yeah, I think all throughout, there was just... Like, in more books than other books we've read, there was just choices I felt like I would rather the author had made. Mm, <laughs> and, like, I could mm-hmm, feel mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. choices. Like, I could feel like, oh, this is so close and not quite there. Oh, this is so close and not quite there. And I feel like... That was in part why I was angsty about this book. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So is it time for our favorite game? <gasps> I think it is. I think it's time for our favorite game. Christine Gas. Christine Gas. Christine Gas. Christine. I'm guessing it. Guessing it. <laughs> okay. All right. Blair, what are we reading next time? Okay. The two books we are reading next time are A Small Slice of Summer by Betty Neals and The Summer of Jordi Perez and The Best Burger in Los Angeles by Amy Spaulding. Summer romance? Yeah, it's summer. Oh, yeah. It's summer. <laughs> but we've we've done that. Like- I I just I felt the need for summer. It's been cold and awful here. And these aren't summer romances, as far as I know. They might be summer romances, but I think they're we've got summer. It's just summer stuff is happening. Um okay. it's gonna be the summer oh, okay. of summer this summer. The summer of summer. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready for it. It's hot summer <laughs> summer. Yes. good okay well that's exciting so and i know we've done it but um betty neils is actually one of those uh vintage classic authors that had like Mm -hmm. this book came out in the 80s i think so this is like um and she's also one of those like she's a british author who people who love her love her um and so i thought we would dip our toes just a little bit into some vintage romance some vintage harlequin but then um the summer of Jordi perez has actually been on my list for a while i am not a big fan of ya as everybody knows who's listened to this (laughs) But um, this one seemed genuinely fun and lighthearted and exciting. And so I thought, okay, it's been on my list for a while. This is a good chance. At first I was like, it's going to be pizza shops. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and then you threw me with the burger. But... <laughs> I was like, it's I, food. I, I, it threw me with the burger. <laughs> oh my oh, god, my yes. I mean, uh, and in part, like uh, with Jody Perez and the best burger in Los Angeles, in part because we were reading Breaking the Bachelor, I wanted to have to read a book about women's interaction with food in a way that felt natural, in a way that people actually interact with food. Oh, okay. So this is also so like. So it's not women with salad laughing? Uh, I mean, <laughs> a small slice of summer very well might be. <laughs> <laughs> there okay great well i suppose that is um all we have to say other than thank you claire well thank you neil thank you christine thank Thank you you, christine thank you authors thank you authors thank you listeners thank you so much listeners please be sure to tell everyone about us rate review subscribe all those good things just so more people can hear us uh be assholes for your amusement oh and uh, be assholes we will be (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry real fast there's a point (laughs) um in uh pretty perfect where uh dane is rimming Jesse, I'm like, yeah, you're ribbing. But it's like I licked a stripe across his pucker and I wanted to vomit. <laughs> it was that was gross. Oh, so that's a little something extra for the listeners who actually listen through the whole end of the episode. <laughs> um, so I guess all we have left to say just the only thing that's there if you can do so safely and consensually and uh up on a go-go box up and without like breaking other people's boundaries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep Keep I feel real good about that <laughs>